the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you today. We've got some interesting interviews. Ted Malik, our old friend, will join us. He's got a piece about how badly the elections turned out in uh, the midterms. But he also is um, commenting in his piece, and we'll ask him directly, about um, Donald Trump. He doesn't sound so convinced about Trump running. I have to tell you, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, also, we will got a request uh, from one of the folks last week who listened to the program. They wanted to hear again the Hal Shirtliff uh, interview. He's the Constitution Camp founder, and I said I'd play that again when I saw a good spot to do it. So I will do that today also. So, um, all right, what you need to know today. Donald Trump is running for president. And so what are you supposed to think about that? Rupert Murdoch has supposedly, I haven't seen the memo, but he supposedly sent a memo telling all of his properties, which is the Wall Street Journal and Fox News and a bunch of others, that he doesn't want Trump. So is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. But I'm not sure it's the big deal. It would be a bigger deal if somebody said they didn't want Trump, um, but Trump didn't. I'd say it this way. If Murdoch said that about a candidate who needed exposure, it would be a problem. But Donald Trump doesn't need exposure. He's now been president. He's got a record. I actually don't think it matters. In fact, I was on the television on Lindell TV. I was filling in on Tamara Scott's show, and I had John Schlafly on as a guest, and I made this point to John, and it's this. I think that MSNBC and CNBC and CNN especially will want Trump to run because they like the attention, they like the action, and they'll put him on TV a lot, which is fine with him. He doesn't need to talk to conservatives. They already know he's there. I, don't, I think that's not a problem. So now back to this. What do I think? I think Donald Trump has earned every right to run and, frankly, to be the nominee. I don't think that I've seen other people, when they tell me that he's too uh, divisive or exhausting or all those things, he is any of those things only because he's been created that way by the media. Now, you can say, well, it doesn't matter, Ed, how they did it to him. They did it to him. And that, that, that is somewhat persuasive. Because it doesn't matter that it's unfair, dishonest, dishonorable. It just is at this point. And therefore, what can you do? How do you unring that bell? How do you change the dynamic? That is, that's a fair point. But if you're Donald Trump, you not only succeeded as president, you were outstanding. And you look at the elections and you say something was done at least unprecedentedly. Meaning they at least changed the rules to run the election if they didn't steal it. And so if you're him, you're saying, you know what? I got one shot. I don't care. I don't mind. I'm going to go. Everyone's going to say I, don't, I can't do it. They're going to say this, that, and the other thing. A bunch of people are. But they're lining up to make it seem like Karl Rove and Paul Ryan and all these people don't want him. 
and out in the normal lands are saying, well, he must be on the right side of things. So, look, I think he's going to run. I mean, excuse me, I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win the nomination. I'm not sure he'll win the general election, but I don't think anyone at this point knows whether that will happen. And they don't know whether any candidate can win. Because at this point, it looks to me like in 2024, the day of the election, you're going to have 46% of the country be on one side and 46% on the other side. You're going to have sophisticated get out the vote efforts, and you're going to have targeted races in five or six places. And whoever does a better job in those five or six places will be the winner. And I don't think it matters if that's DeSantis. I don't think it matters if it's uh, anybody. I don't think it, I don't, none of it matters. I just don't think that the candidate is going to make that big a difference. I really don't. The uh, I, I think that what is happening is that the um, the system we're in is sort of trapped we're trapped in a system that's yielding for lots of reasons that include the power of the media and big tech who want to see a close election because it gets them more attention and more ratings. We're locked in a system that's going to keep us closely divided. And uh, the, the fact is Trump is as good as anybody at surviving to go and, and go toe to toe with whomever. And if it's Biden, fine. If it's Kamala, come on. One last point. Someone asked me about who would be the uh, vice president uh, for anybody. And here's what I have to tell you. When you go to run for president or vice president, you can't have a chance of something bad coming out. You just can't risk that something could be. So the people who will be in the pool for running for president are, are people that have had to run hard races and, and succeed and survive. So you've been a senator and run two or three times. You've been a House member. Maybe you ran for governor. It's not going to be anybody who's a newbie. There's going to be no um, Sarah Palin's ever again, meaning you're just going to test it. So you say, what's the universe of people that uh, Donald Trump would pick? Maybe Carrie Lake. She's now been through the ringer. That's true. But uh, more than likely, it's some senator or some congressman. He doesn't need anything. When he picked Pence, he was picking Pence to assure, ensure, to assure conservatives that there'd be somebody that they recognized in, in the White House. Now they recognize Trump. And so I don't think that they need He doesn't need to do any of that. But I believe I, look, Trump was impressive as usual. The people allied against him to say he's dead have done this over and over again. The media is totally unfair. It's not, you know, but, but by the way, being unfair doesn't mean it changes anything. It's still a big, big problem. And so we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think it's um, I also think it's good for the country. And here's one last comment, which you need to know. Donald Trump single handedly moved the Republican Party from a party that was highbrow and corporate and open to corporate positions like open borders and more immigration and big trade deals. He turned it to a fighting party that will take on China actually instead of just talking that will use tariffs actually instead of just talking that will stand up against the uh, system that is gutting our jobs that will stand up for securing the border and actually do it he changed the whole the trade deals there's no multilateral trade deals anymore there's just that's not happening because it was a giveaway he oh he also changed the way we look at all these multi um these uh, extra uh, uh constitutional extra uh sovereign organizations like the un wto all these places he changed how we think about that the republican party didn't have 
that at least even that diversity of opinion, if you were in the you were in the minority in the Republican Party, if you were anti free trade deals or anti immigration, Trump changed that. And he's changing that again. Another big one is the neocons dominated the uh, Republican Party and Trump totally shattered that. So he's definitely got a path to win. He's definitely got a path to make a big, big difference. And it's going to be exciting and interesting. It's not going to be dull. Never is with Donald Trump. All right. That's what you need to know. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We will talk with uh, my friend Ted Mallet. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our friend uh, Theodore Roosevelt Malik. Ted Malik, of course, is a uh, noted author and uh, businessman, professor on both sides of the Atlantic, and uh, our great uh, sage writer right now. American Greatness is the blog where he writes quite frequently, amgreatness.com. Welcome back, Ted. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks, Ed. So, Ted, uh, before we get to um, other aspects of the uh, the midterms and all, President Trump is going to get back into the presidential race. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm of two minds. I, I wish you would uh, take a minute, pause, mm-hmm. reconsider uh, where we stand and what just happened in the midterm elections. On the other hand, I guess, uh, you know, as an anxious and uh, angry man, he feels he has to jump right back into the fray. So uh, I can see it both ways. It's uh, You've known him a long time, and you've known the politics of it. And, and when you say pause, um, do you mean pause for the the the, uh, um, the uh, Georgia runoff? Do you mean pause because, again, you have a column up a couple of days ago, uh, uh, it's a cold and it's, bro- uh, it's a broken hallelujah, which we'll get to in a minute. What, what's your reason for – tell me why to pause – well, I think the, the the political wise men think that we should have, uh, you know, we should finish the Senate elections in Georgia. That by jumping in, he colors that race and probably loses another Republican seat. Uh, I can't tell you that's a fact, but that's that's a view. The second is that I, I think we are at a turning point. It has to do with generational politics, and it has to do with the fact that the midterms really did not go dramatically. Did not go. I would say compellingly did not go as so many pundits predicted they would have. And and now we're to that a little bit. Um, your piece, we're talking with Ted Malik. Uh, here's, a, here's an excerpt from it. Inflation at a 40-year high, the recession deepening, the border insecure, crime escalating out of control, and parental control in question, all seemingly indicated certain disaster for the donkey party. Instead, the Democrats maintained a number of seats that were up for grabs and won races like the U.S. Senate race in Pennsylvania with a candidate who is a crackpot socialist who probably should be hospitalized. So what happened? Well, we're analyzing that presently. Uh, You know, I put myself in the category of those who expected the opposite uh, in my predictions and my reading of the tea leaves. And I think there are three or four things. So I'll list them. We can go into them in detail. One, voting is not what it used to be. It's not an experience on a day in November. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans have not learned how to play that game. Secondly, I would say overconfidence sometimes begets... uh, strange results. In this case, we were overconfident and we're reaping those results. I would say the youth vote is also something, obviously, Biden bribed them with his 
scheme to pay off their student debts, but it's uh, it's a vote we have lost, and th- that vote usually doesn't show up. In this case, it seemingly did show up. And I guess lastly, um, the endorsement of even a former president doesn't mean all that sometimes it's cranked up to. Do you really, do you think we lost the young people? And let me say it differently. Why did young people show up if, if um, I mean, I know this president promised uh, to forgive their student loans and he was lying immediately after the election. It was uh, made clear by the courts. It's not going to happen. So, but most of us knew that was a lie. But you, as you point out, usually, you know, 18 to 35 year olds, they just don't show up in high percentages, no matter how, how hard you tried. Do you have any gut instinct that tells you part of the reason they showed up was because the people who control uh, the the big tech, you know, that where a lot of those young people are made sure to keep them agitated. I mean, or, or was it somehow that Joe Biden was so persuasive? No, he's not very persuasive. We all know that. I think it was what you suggest. Uh, it was also some combination of, uh, uh, you know, this fear about losing democracy, which was a you know, a head fake. And um, it was um, all the scare tactics about abortion, which play strongly in certain states. So uh, I'm not saying they won because of the youth vote. I mean, Republicans took other age groups, but it is something to consider. Um, We're talking with Ted Malik. And again, his piece, it's over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. It's it's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. you're usually pretty good, Ted, for me, of giving the, uh, uh, you know, the strong medicine, but with some sugar in it, that, that here's the mm-hmm. way, here's the, here's the hopeful, uh, here's the, um, you know, kind of hopeful vision going forward. It doesn't sound like you have one yet. Well, hopefully I ended that article with, with exactly some of that, yeah. that hope. Uh, and the, the words are found in the uh national anthem itself the broad stripes and bright stars that inspired the writing of that song in the ba- after the battle of baltimore so i think we continue we slog on i mean you like me i, I everyone i talk to certainly my friends in washington are very disappointed but we remain faithful we're not dancing in the streets obviously but we are committed to the things the founders framed which make and keep us great. I also said in this article, and I reiterated, and I mean this, uh, politics is not everything. There's a lot more to life than just, you know, political infighting and um, electoral outcomes. Well, we're talking again with Ted Malik. Um, one, uh, one more sort of avenue on this, though. Let me go back for a second. Um, do Do you think that somehow I, I look, it's, it's unheard of to have a living former president who um, like Trump, right? He didn't disappear off the scene. He clearly has been, uh, uh, you know, angling to run again since he was out of office, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I don't know how we compare anything. On the other hand, in the midterms, there's plenty of blame to be spread around, including to the Republicans, the professionals, the professional class of politicians, as well as uh, their their operatives who, you know, should be able to run better races. Right. I mean, it's not just that uh, Donald Trump endorsed Doug Mastriano. It's also that, uh, you know, Doug Mastriano and, and uh, Dr. Oz didn't run campaigns that were as effective, in my opinion, as Shapiro's was. I, Fetterman ran the Joe Biden play, which is stay hidden and the media gives you kid gloves and and count on the uh, the overall optics. But Shapiro ran an old fashioned 
fashion. I'm a liberal Democrat, but I'm going to look like a law and order guy. And it worked well. And nobody and he wasn't opposed in a meaningful way. My point is, uh, shouldn't Kevin McCarthy, shouldn't Mitch McConnell uh, bear as heavy a brunt as anybody for the failure? Well, that's exactly where I'd be pointing the finger. And uh, I, I think many Republican uh, Freedom Caucus people at least are saying the same thing. We need a change of leadership. McConnell didn't support any of our candidates except Murkowski, who's his own candidate. Mm-hmm. And McCarthy is, you know, is really a rhino Republican. He's not a conservative. So we, we didn't have the support or the funding. And I underline that, you know, the funding did not go to some of these cr- critical races. I'd also point the finger at the RNC. I think it's time to take the Romney a woman out of that leadership position and put somebody in who is a true America first conservative. Yeah. Um, well, I think that sounds right to me. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if, um, if, uh, if that happens, that vote is in January. I mean, what what's happening in Washington these days is that they're probably going to have some sort of symbolic vote or, or something about House and Senate leadership, and then uh, it'll formally do- be done when you actually seat the new Congress. Uh, but I, my point is, once you take this sort of procedural vote, it will bake in those decisions. Uh, the other one, as you point out, is the RNC chair in in January. Uh, Ted, in the ebb and flow of politics, again, you've been at this game and an observer, if not a participant, for 50, 60 years. Um, how low or high or in the middle is this right now? Well, I think it's a very significant uh, midterm election because the expectations, uh, you know, ran towards, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 seats going in the Republican direction, taking the Senate and basically putting an end or even a realignment, as some of us thought, to American politics. That's not happening. We're going to have, as he said, more of the same. And if he's to be believed, Biden's running in 2024. So that... uh, uh, movement from the left seems to be dictating at least the next and future steps. Now, you know, my next article, which you always want oh, to yeah. know about. I always want to know about I've, yeah, I've, that's uh, right. I've got an article I'm writing, but I keep rewriting it because I'm not sure I want to say it, <laughs> which makes me ambivalent. Uh, and it's called Trump's petard. So this is the question of what Trump should do. Huh. Well, by uh, by the he's going to announce he's running. Right. So, I mean, do you think he's going to somehow once he runs, is he going to step back? I don't think he'll step back. He's not in his personality. The question is, who's going to support him? Mm hmm. Yeah, again, I mean, you've watched this. You've watched uh, the dynamics. Uh, we've never seen anything like Trump, of course, but, you, you know, certain things happen. Um, certain things happen no matter how, um, you know, you can you can say you're going to reinvent the wheel or you're going to come up with a, you're going to invent the wheel. And these things, things in politics happen the way they're happening. And uh, right now, the forces are, are arrayed against Trump are not insignificant. I mean, you know, all the media, all the establishment, a bunch of money and some grassroots. Uh, successes like DeSantis, right? Suddenly, it's a lonely place, if you can believe it, to be uh, on Donald Trump's team. And now some of Trump's own inner circle, I mean, including his own son-in-law. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's formidable. I, I think that um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, not an uphill fight. It, it might be a Scythian battle. 
It's uh, well, the only thing is, and you were you again, you were there uh, too. But in 15 and 16, it, it felt um, a lot of people thought there's no way this guy can pull this off. So, I mean, I'm not saying you can do it twice. I'm not sure you can. And th- this time there's no um, sneaking up on it. Right. There's no this isn't something like, oh, that, that guy's a, a fun guy, but he won't stay in it. Remember, they used to say that about him. They said, oh, he's a he's a fun guy. He's having a good time, but he won't stay in it. He's got a business and all that. And he'll eventually by late in 15, they said he'll just quit. And of course, you know, there he was. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. All right, Ted Malik, as always, thank you. The piece, again, is over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. It's a cold and it's a broken. Hallelujah. We'll be watching for your or his petard. Uh, I just like the use of that word, uh, Ted. So uh, that'll be the next piece, and we'll have you back on again. Thank you, Ted. Thanks. All right. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You need to read Am Greatness, American Greatness, amgreatness.com uh, every uh, day. Between Julie Kelly and Ted Malik, it keeps me uh, focused in Formed and it is funny a good amount of time. So uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. You know, for years, years, I would say that our next guest was somebody that I talked to about education, about how to uh, um, understand what we need to do to give people a sense of the our Constitution, our founding documents, and et cetera, et cetera. And then he became a warrior in the in the culture wars by uh, suing and being able to get his flag up the flagpole. At the, I think the I get it right. Uh, correct me, Hal. The mayor's uh, the um, city hall in Boston. So Hal Shirtliff is uh, the leader of what I want to make sure we talk about too, which is the uh, Camp Constitution next fall. Uh, excuse me, next summer, July 16th through 21st, 2023. They have Camp Constitution. If you're planning your summer, you hear this and you say, write it down. Go to campconstitution.net and you'll see. Uh, you can link on this and mark it. It's great. It's a great camp. Uh, it's a lot of great education. A lot of great people. Um, so uh, anyway, first of all. Hal, uh, welcome back. What's it like to be a uh, culture warrior and a winner? You won your fight with City Hall um, and the flag went up. Uh, tell us about uh, where things are. Have you retired and you're just uh, taking accolades, I assume, from all this? No, no, no. That's de- the work never ends. Yeah, um, that's right. Like uh, like to quote my late friend and your late friend, Sam Blumenfeld, we're going to do this till we drop. And he <laughs> did. And so will we, uh, God willing. Yep. But, yeah, the, we were very excited about the lawsuit. After five years, uh, the city denied us a permit to fly a Christian flag on a public, what I call a public access flagpole, where they've been flying communist flags and rainbow flags and all the other flags. And we actually got the permission to fly at one time. It was a one-time ceremony because they have now canceled any third-party flag raising. And what makes this issue even more important than just one, you know, one city is that uh, I'm noticing every week towns and cities around the country are changing their policies where they won't fly any third-party flag. So just the U.S. flag, the state flag, maybe the POW flag and a town flag, uh, but no rainbow flag. So it's sometimes doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Some of the more conservative-run towns may fly the rainbow flag, feel pressure to do it. Now they say, hey, we have an out. And there are other cases where they are actually allowing the Christian flag to fly. We had a ceremony in Revere, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston, Christian flag raising and 
It was like right in front of City Hall, and it will hopefully be an annual event. Lowell, Massachusetts, yeah, which is just a little north of Boston, <clears throat> right? And others are being planned. And I, I, I get contact by people all over the country on a regular basis. So I think this, this case really uh, put the lemon test to rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the lemon test was this terrible decision. Boy, the Supreme Court came up with some real bad decisions in the early seventies, didn't they? Yeah. But it was based on a Catholic school, and I think Providence, Rhode Island. And it got to the point where uh, public officials were even saying, God bless you, or gazoontite, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, wearing a cross in a public school, or even carrying a can- bringing a candy cane to a school was somehow a violation. And uh, this case, as well as several others, uh, uh, and the case that was uh, Coach Joe Kennedy out of, uh, I believe it was Washington State, a football coach, mm-hmm. his case was one about two months after ours. In fact, our case was referenced in his case. So that's that was really what it was all about, although we're, we're pleased we got our with nice little ceremony. You can see that ceremony on Liberty Council's website, lc.org. Hmm. Um, campconstitution.net, by the way, if you go there, you'll see all uh, a lot of things that uh, that Hal has been up to, and again, about the camp. And uh, uh, as I say, <clears throat> excuse me, as I looked earlier, the mission of the Camp Constitution to enhance understanding of our Judeo-Christian moral heritage, our American heritage of courage and ingenuity, including the genius of our United States Constitution, uh, the application of free enterprise, and on and on. Um, Hal, I want to pause, though. You mentioned Bloom. Uh, you mentioned Samuel uh, Blumenfeld, and I want to pause because you actually have, I noticed on the website, his archive. Now, for people that don't know, he was a prolific writer, and much of his early writing and, and his whole career was about phonics and and the late phyllis schlafly was a great believer in uh sam blumenfeld's insight about hey um you know you got to teach people to read it's almost the most important thing that you can do for a student a young child and we were messing it up and he went on to write crimes of the educators co-write it co-authored with alex newman about sort of the history of how they were really intentionally seeming to dumb down but you have his archives he he was an extraordinary american he fought in world war ii i think he was maybe and so uh, what's that like what's the archive like who, who's I hope somebody's in there like researching and writing about him. I, I, I will encourage people. He was extraordinary life. Well, Sam was a dear friend of mine. He was one of our camp instructors. And when he he passed away in June of 15, he had just turned 89, I believe. And he uh, willed me his most of his library. Very his papers because he knew I told Sam that it was our our, we pledged to him on his deathbed that his work will will influence unborn generations. So uh, so what I I even started gathering his material at his request prior to his death. He had about four two hundred legal boxes of books and papers and writings and correspondence even even between Phyllis uh, Schlafly of course and uh, Sam and we had a couple of couple of people one is our our web master eric conover mm-hmm. and our camp newspaper editor mark affleck who's in pennsylvania and mark just pdf'd a lot of the the letters the newsletters the books and then we got some old recordings we had a lot of cassettes even reel-to-reels and cds and all of that was put in mp3 mp4 format his alpha phonics workbook is available we put it back it's still in print mm-hmm. but we have it on our website where you can download it you can use the website version with all 128 lessons and either an audio or video along with all of the teacher's guides which you really don't need a teacher's guide i think sam did it because other alpha phonics courses were offering them and that's what people wanted 
You have all of his lectures. And I tell, uh, I used to tell people every time back in the 90s, homeschool, homeschooling is always a challenge. It's much yeah. easier now than it was then. Right. But every time you had second thoughts, just just put it a Sam Blumenfeld video, uh, cassette. Uh, <laughs> and that will be, uh, what was I thinking? Of course, we're doing the right thing. That's fantastic. That's true. That's right. Before it was, uh, before everyone caught on and maybe COVID hammered at home uh, as Sam was advocating for uh, homeschooling. All right. Um, so tell our folks about, so no, Hal, I want to ask you this. I'm looking back at my notes now. I've been thinking about you for a week since we set this up. Um, Education on the Constitution. You know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, one of her favorite things that happened to her was she was appointed by Ronald Reagan to be on the Bicentennial Commission on the Constitution. And she had a great time there. And she really treasured that period of time going out into the public and going. They had hearings all over the country and talking about she just believed so much in the Constitution. So first question how I know we're going to I know every old man like me now I turn into an old man. I say, oh, the young people aren't studying the right <laughs> things. You know, they're not. But 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 constitutional literacy. Tell me where we are. I know the need you're there and you're saying, but it, I don't mean to be, again, the old man yelling at the uh, neighbors, kids, but it's getting worse and worse, isn't it? Well, there's no question about that. I live in uh, Alton, New Hampshire. Just uh, a few days ago, we offered to donate pocket copies of the Constitution to the local government school, high school. And I didn't hear from any of the teachers that I have, the social studies teachers. And then finally, one got back to me and says, well, you have to ask the principal. So I emailed the principal and within a matter of minutes Thank you, but we are all set with pocket copies of the Constitution. Well, I pretty much doubt that the school, (laughs) that they have any pocket copy. Although we did donate some to the Manchester, New Hampshire High School at the request of its superintendent. I think about 3,000 and every student. Now, just getting a Constitution, it's like, you know, I could buy a book and put it on my bookshelf. I could buy a brand new piano and put it in my living room. That doesn't mean I'm going to play it or read the book. You have to actually read it. And I think our nation's enemies fear an informed voter more than anything else. And a voter who actually understands the Constitution, you know, it wasn't written in some kind of hieroglyphics or some kind of arcane uh, format. It was really simple. And some of the words might be a little archaic, like, for example, well-regulated. But you can easily determine it doesn't mean a bunch of laws and results. It means that well-trained, well-disciplined. Right. So, and there, again, there's a few parts of the Constitution where you might have, but some of them are pretty straightforward. You know, there's absolutely no doubt. You know, it says uh, Congress shall not do this. It shall not do that. And the other thing, too, if they didn't grant the power, then they couldn't do it. So we, you know, we sit back and we listen to politicians in both major parties and you kind of wince. They'll say democracy and you say it's not a democracy. They'll say, well, we have to support the Ukraine. We have to give them foreign aid. Well, it's not in the Constitution. Right. And uh, so we do have a work cut off for us. But I'd like to think that there's some great, you know, we're a relatively small organization. I think we do have a lot of impact. But you've got Hillsdale College. You have um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the Institute of the Constitution by uh, our, our friend, uh, Pastor David Whitney, who actually is one of our instructors, and many other uh, 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 entities that are doing this. Uh, Chris Ann Hall is doing a great job. And uh, I just m- met a gentleman. He does something called the Constitution Minute. I didn't meet him in person he, a little newspaper in maine was carrying his articles he's down in texas and i looked at it, people he, he influenced they says man you we we we're kind of in the same travel in the same 
circles and he does his uh program and we see this around the country so it's even though we we're we have a long way to go i think we've made a lot of progress uh, we're talking again with hal shirtliff and uh, go to camp net and um, see more um uh how the um Tell me, tell give me the give me the rundown on the camp so that if somebody's listening right now, and I, I will say, sure. we've, we've had this great experience where lots of homeschoolers uh, listen to these shows as podcasts, and you pass them around. So tell me, tell tell us what that is, how it fits together. Tell us um, uh, why it's uh, really helpful for young people. Well, let me also mention, since our last conversation, we we now have a weekend family camp as well as a ladies retreat uh, in addition to the week-long camp. But the week-long camp starts Sunday afternoon. I do say July 17th or 16th. I don't have it's, my... Uh, July, see, oh, here we go. July 16th to 20th. July 16th, yes. It's in... Um, Singing Hills Christian Camp in Plainfield, New Hampshire, which is about an hour north and west of Concord, New Hampshire, not too far from uh, St. Johnsbury. From, I'm sorry, not St. Johnsbury, White River Junction, Vermont. Beautiful lo- location. Um, and we always offer people, hey, we pick you up at an airport, pick you up at a train station, pick you up at a bus station if need be. And um, we have some of, I like to think, not just the nation's, but some of the world's top instructors. Professor Willie Soon, he's become a regular. He's one of the world's top atmospheric scientists, as well as the climate realist, Alex Newman, who's been coming the last three or four years with his whole family, as well as Willie Soon and his family. Alex is an expert on numerous topics, the Great Reset, uh, education. Of course, he co-authored uh, Sam Blumenfeld's last book, uh, last and final book, uh, Crimes of the Educators. Pastor David Whitney, who was uh, with the Institute on, on the Constitution out of Pasadena, Maryland, and other instructors. Um, we have a few that we haven't got confirmation, so I can't I – can't, uh, we're hoping to get Vince Ellison. He's become a friend, sure. and uh, but I can't confirm that. In addition to the class – and we also have a program for the youngsters, too. We have people well, – uh, reenactors come in in colonial outfits. Uh, we actually have cannons, live firing, uh, marksmanship classes, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of hiking, a field trip – Last year, we took uh, a trip to the Augustus St. Gaudens homestead. He's the man who did the the 54th Regiment, um, beautiful uh, bass relief there in Boston. And uh, we went to the Calvin Coolidge homestead. So we we, we do different things every year. And we have a great campfire. Uh, You know, we spend an hour singing old-fashioned corny songs, a few hymns, and people play instruments and do skits. And we have a camp newspaper. And uh, this year, uh, we had about five or six uh, homeschool families from Connecticut, all first-timers. And they were so excited. They, They just had us down in Connecticut uh, last week doing it's like a camp constitution for a day uh, in a church there in Newtown and I thought you know there's plenty of opportunities to start other camps so Anyone out there listening that might be interested in hosting us for a day, for a weekend, uh, that'd be great. We'd love to come out. And if we can't come out, maybe we could find some folks that will, and uh, and maybe you could uh, replicate our program. Very good. Well, uh, it's good stuff, Hal. It's uh, really a necess- it's necessary, and also I think your approach is sort of um, like Phyllis used to say, uh, or used to be say, used to say about Phyllis, a happy warrior. There's a lot of things to be really worried about, uh, but ultimately you've got the joy of uh, you've got the joy of Christ. I know uh, Amen. So it makes a big difference. Well, we'll wish you good luck and I'll put up on social media uh, links to all this. And uh, thanks very much, Hal. 
Well, thanks for having me. God bless now. God bless you. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. And don't forget, I'll put up on social media. I just checked. I'll I'll make sure to put up the link to uh, campconstitution.net and also the link to the application for the the, uh, camp. So you see that, too. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Men and women who care about preserving America's rich natural resources and farmland need to be aware of the huge threat being imposed by the marijuana industry. Big weed is causing a big water problem in areas of the country that suffer from summer droughts. Marijuana plants soak up huge amounts of water, and often the pot growers steal this water from their neighbors who need it. For example, Deer Creek in Oregon has run dry because of the theft of its water by marijuana growers. Cannabis needs the most water during the dry summer months when the water shortages, of course, have worsened for everyone else. In Humboldt County, California, cannabis plants have been diverting so much water that the wells of the neighbors of the cannabis growers are running dry. A settlement in 2019 to address this has not been successful, and people are being asked to create their own ponds to try to maintain enough water for themselves. If tobacco caused the same harm to the environment that marijuana causes, environmentalists would have protested it out of existence decades ago. Yet marijuana gets a free pass to destroy our natural resources just because it's more trendy with the left. Estimates are that cannabis requires 100 to 200 gallons of water to grow merely one pound of pot. That translates to 10 or more gallons of water wasted for every tiny ounce of weed. Legalizing pot a decade ago in Colorado caused an explosion in pot growing there, both legal and illegal, which has drained water away from the Colorado River on which Arizona and Nevada depend. Water wasteful marijuana farming is surging at a 16% annual increase and will triple in size in the next eight years. Cannabis also has a devastating effect on the soil as pot growers often deplete the nutrients of land and leave it barren while they move on to harm more soil elsewhere. Senators in the Midwest and flyover country should reject special legislation for the cannabis industry. Water in the Midwest is plentiful, and let's keep it that way for our legitimate crops and comfortable living. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues, upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis and our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, let's finish up with an update on the January 6th prisoners. Um, it's pretty stunning, isn't it? We now have admissions. Admissions. They admitted. It has been admitted. It has been admitted in court. Totally admitted that the FBI had paid in for. Well, let me say, do I know paid? I think so. They had informants inside a number of the organizations that were organizing for January 6th. 
including the Proud Boys and other ones. In other words, there were FBI agents involved before January 6th. Now, did you expect to hear about an insurrection where some of the key players, I think the number two person in the Proud Boys or Prom Oath Keepers, one of the groups, is an FBI guy. And at what point were they going to when people were asking this over the last two years saying, wait, was there, was there something going on here? Who's Ray Epps? What's happening? Were they ever going to admit it? And the fact is, you know what? They did. They were. But it was going to be after the election. After they had milked it as much as they could, after they had planted in the brains of the American people a narrative that is negative and hurtful and hateful, and after that was done, then they would admit it. Because they couldn't hide forever. They couldn't hide forever. But they could hide for a long time, and eventually when they had to, they would only admit it after the election. Think about how crazy this is. It's now been admitted confessed to, owned up, that the FBI had infiltrated not one, not two, but many different groups that were involved in January 6th. We never knew that until just now. And now it's being just swept away. No, nothing to see. We've got to talk about Trump or Georgia or this or that. Unbelievable. It's unbelie- It feels unbelievable what's happened in this country. All right, as always, thank you to the great, great Noah Dingley and Joanna Spilger, producer and associate producer. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>